So good. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's good to see you all. My parents are here, which was announced, but I told them earlier, I was like, I can't look at you or I'll be like, <laughs> so go say hi to them. They look like me. You'll find them. <laughs> they look like me. Um, so good. But this morning, if you don't know me, my name's Mara James. I'm on staff here at Journey Community Church. Um, yeah, that's me. There's not much to tell, but here I am. It's great to be here with you all this morning. Um, I am finishing up a series. Well, am I? Fi- I don't remember if I'm finishing it up. Anyway, I'm, um, I am finish- I'm finishing up a series um, on culture of honor this morning, which is an incredible, incredible thing. Um, and to see our churches walking in a culture of honor would truly change the church. Um, so it's incredibly important. It's something that we really value here at Journey. Because um, if you're honoring each other, I mean, you can navigate a lot of things if you're putting honor first. But what we're going to do is we're going to start with the story of Jonah. Very exciting. I've been on an Old Testament kick, which is really fun. It's really dramatic. So I've been having a great time with it. But we're going to start in, um, we're going to start in Nineveh. Um, Really, the the topic of today is turning conflicts into connection. That's what we're going after this morning, Um, which is an incredibly powerful thing because it doesn't, conflict doesn't have to be divisive. We can actually grow from it. And that's something that I really value. And I think that's something that, you know, everyone can learn more about and can do really well in. So let's dive in. So just for some context, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So Assyria, just to give context, was a very long-term enemy of the Israelites. So Assyria had taken lands. They were really brutal. They were really violent. They did not treat prisoners well. There was a lot of just, just really gruesome behavior that they took. So no one was a fan. No one was a fan. So mortal, mortal enemies, Israelites not a fan, and turns out Jonah was an Israelite. So the Ninevites were greatly wicked. The Bible says they were greatly wicked. They caused great bloodshed, cruelty, and idolatry. So that's what we're working with here. So then you take Jonah, who's an Israelite, and he is sent to go tell them about Jesus, which is an incredibly humbling task. Go tell your mortal enemy that I love them, the dream. Um, So it's fascinating because basically there's not a ton in the Bible that tells about all the things that the Assyrians did, but a massive part of it is that they treated their prisoners really horribly, torture, really bad, very Game of Thrones-esque. If you've ever seen it, that's what we're working with here. So very, not very big fan. Also, the city of Nineveh was massive. It says in the Bible that it would take three days just to go through it. So if you think about being an Israelite going into your mortal enemy's territory and it takes three days just to cross the city, that's really scary. Like that's an incredibly scary task. So he runs away, you know, as you would, as you would. He runs away. He tries to go to Tarshish. He gets shipwrecked on the way and then gets eaten by a giant fish. So we're really not starting off well here. Um, and, then the, and then the whale vomits him up on the beach. It's just not, 
it's not cute, it's not cute really. Um, but it's fascinating because you think of the stubbornness of Jonah, all that it would take, like it took him getting eaten by a fish for him to actually go back and do what the Lord asked. So there's, it will really find some interesting stuff about Jonah as we go along. But upon being vomited by a fish, he decides that he will go to Nineveh. So he pretty much goes to Nineveh to tell them, you've got 40 days and God's going to have you overtaken. You will be destroyed. You've got 40 days. So we're going to start in Jonah 3, verse 6. And we're going to read until chapter 4, verse 11. So get ready for some story time. But this starts, When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth. He sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that he will not perish. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he threatened. But to this, Jonas seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to be dead than to live. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out, I love this, so petty. Jonah had gone out, sat down at the place of the east city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's like, I'm going to sit here anyway and wait till you destroy it. I think that's hilarious. But at dawn, okay, let's see. Verse 6, the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But the next day, God killed the plant. <laughs> but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said... Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's how it ends. So what is the definition of honor? Let's start there, shall we? The word honor comes from the Hebrew word kabod, I think is how you say it. I hear Julia's fluent in Hebrew, so, <laughs> so go ask her. She's not. <laughs> um, to honor someone then is to give them weight or to grant a person a position of respect and even authority in your life. That's what honoring means. While honor is an internal attitude of respect, courtesy, and reverence, 
It should also be accompanied by the appropriate attention or even obedience. Honor without such action is incomplete. It is a lip service. So you can't just going around saying that you honor someone or honor something with your words and not follow it up with your behavior and with how you treat people. Honor is an incredibly difficult thing to achieve. Um, it's easy for us to slip up in this. It can be incredibly difficult because as soon, it's easy to honor people that you like. It's easy to honor people that you respect. It's very difficult to honor people that challenge you or that bring out the worst in you or that call out the worst in you. So honor can be quite difficult. This is also an incredibly random thing, but my computer is from the UK, and whenever I type honor, it tells me I'm spelling it wrong because I don't spell it with a U. It's not spelled with a U, okay? Um, anyway, but this leads me to my first point. You don't have to agree with a person to honor them. That's my first point. This is incredibly impactful if we get this. You don't have to agree with a person to honor them. <coughs> Conflicts don't have to be divisive. They don't have to separate relationships. They don't have to tear people apart. They don't have to tear communities apart. It doesn't have to be that way. If a person isn't living the way that you think they should, which is a big one, because how many know we know best, obviously? We know best. But if someone's not living the way that you think that they should, if you don't agree with someone's opinion, if you don't agree with someone's political outlook, if you don't agree with the way that people are treating each other in relationship, it doesn't mean that you can't honor them. We can still call out the truth in love. We can still be honoring we don't have to be manipulative or angry if we don't agree with somebody. That's not biblical. Bill Johnson said, a culture of honor is celebrating a person, is celebrating who a person is without stumbling over who they're not. And that's really powerful because it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, well they're doing this and that's not how I want to live so I'm just going to... Now obviously there's, there's a lot of wisdom in not hanging out with people that aren't a good influence. Obviously that's it. But there's no reason to cut people off because they don't do things the way that you should. Jesus spent time with sinners. He witnessed the sinners. He lived amongst people and showed them by example through loving them and honoring them when no one else did. So if we're letting disagreements keep us from relationship with people, we're kind of missing the point here. My second point, <laughs> a lot of times honoring people means telling the truth in love as well as receiving the truth in love. Sometimes hearing the truth isn't quite pleasant. Sometimes being called out on your issues isn't pleasant. But how many of you know the biggest, I mean, one of the biggest things to build a relationship is navigating a conflict healthily. 
Like navigating a conflict from one side where you agree with everything, getting to a point where you disagree strongly, getting it through and choosing to love each other and choose each other despite that is incredibly faith building for the Lord, but also is incredibly powerful to relationships. Because it's easy to be someone's friend when it's easy. It's so easy to be someone's friend when it's easy, obviously. But when it gets difficult, when we actually have to give stuff up, when we have to be wrong, when we have to deal with our own crap, you know, he hurt me first. Yes, but you are still offended. It's not easy, but we can grow from these moments. We can grow from these conflicts. We can grow from these interactions. God set us up and set the church up with the concept of iron sharpening iron. He put us in a body of people on purpose so that we could grow each other through relationship, we could grow each together, we could see each other go farther and higher because we're iron sharpening iron. If you know me and my husband, we are about as different as it gets. <laughs> I am very, more of an emotional personality. I'm, pretty, I'm very social. I'm very out there. I love unicorns. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the more manic side of things. And then Joshua, Joshua is very analytical, very data, very reason, very why. And I just am like, woo. We're very different. And when we first got together, there were so many conflicts where I was like, you're mean. And he was like, I'm really not. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I just have problems. I've not grown more by any person than Joshua. I've not grown any more. I've also not had as many conflicts as I've ever had <laughs> with Joshua. But it's incredible because we've learned from each other. I've learned to get a bit of a tough skin and be able to handle things better. I've also learned what I need to deal with immediately. <laughs> And he has learned a great deal of patience, let me tell you. Great deal of patience. It's incredible. We're so different, but we're able, we've learned how to navigate conflict together, and it actually helps us both grow and pushes us forward. He has told me the truth in love many times. And that's the thing. Telling someone something when you're angry is not healthy. It's a cheap shot. It's not honoring. When we have a desire to truly grow someone or to call someone out that we're close to, it looks like calling out the truth in love. And it says in Ephesians, if you have not love, then you don't have anything. Calling somebody out to hurt them is not the same as calling them out in love. And this may sound obvious, but this means that we really need to get a handle on ourselves and start choosing other people in moments where we're mad. Also, when you are called out by someone that you love and respect, maybe someone that you're not, because they might be right. That's the thing. If Joshua calls me out for something, I'll be really annoyed, but then I'll be like, yeah, okay, you're right. If it's someone I don't like who calls me out, I'm like, how dare you? But often they're right. And that's the thing, honoring is an incredible challenge, but we can grow massively from these moments if we choose honor instead of going at people 
and anger when something's happening. We can navigate conflicts with honor. We can tell the truth in love with honor. And we can all grow. And that's the thing, I think we have to realize a lot of times in these moments, there's always something we can both learn. Regardless of if you're right or not, if you're still angry in an interaction, you're still angry. There's so, that's the thing, iron sharpens iron. There is never a one-way street in relationships, never. And if there is a one-way relationship, it's not a healthy relationship. We're made to do this together. And the thing is, unfortunately, we can't see ourselves. Sometimes it takes another person coming into our life and being convicting and being honest for us to realize that there's something happening. In the Bible it says you can't even see the plank in your own eye. You have a speck, ew. But you can't even see the plank in your own eye. It takes people to be able to help us navigate these things, which is really wild when you think about it. We're a hot mess, we're a hot mess. And the Lord made us to be together, to commune with each other and to work through these things. It's, it's crazy. And he knew what he was doing, which is even crazier. Hebrews 12, 11, 13 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves so you are not tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus is all over conflict. Jesus is all over conflict. It's one of the ways we grow. Like, there are times with conflict, and I've been in this place too, where it's like, oh, I've rebuked the devil in a lot of ways. Like, this is horrendous. Satan is upon this person. (laughs) But really, it's like, no, I learned a lot from that interaction, actually. Like, I actually got massive revelations from the Lord. I learned greater patience. I learned things that I needed to deal with. I learned how to be a better person through this. Maybe it wasn't Satan. Maybe it was the Lord. Jesus is offensive sometimes, people. Jesus works in ways we don't like most of the time. He works in ways we love as well. But I think that's the thing. It's like friendship is easy when it's easy. Loving the Lord is easy when it's easy. But when it comes down to it being tested, that's when we really see what we believe. That's when we really see how much we're walking and what the Lord has asked us to walk in. Conflict is vital. And so is honoring people. I really felt like mentioning this. 
I felt the Lord on this. But this concept also applies to God as well. If you're angry or you're laboring over something that God has or hasn't done, it's time to let it go. Because it's holding you back. And that's the thing, sometimes we don't even realize we're angry at God, but we can be. But if you're frustrated, if you're angry at something that God has done or hasn't done, why aren't you showing up like this? Why aren't you doing this? I know those situations can be difficult. Being a human is difficult. The circumstances we encounter are hard. But if you're refusing to let that go, it will be holding you back in every area of your life. It'll be holding back your relationship with the Lord. It'll be holding back your relationship with people. And it will be leaking out of you in some way. It's time to let that go. And it's incredibly important, as we know, it's incredibly important to feel the emotion of what you're experiencing. It's important to be honest with it, be real with it, and process your emotions. I'm not telling you not to feel. It's important to feel those things, but it's just as important not to stay there. So it's incredible that we have, we have resources. We have people around us. We have Mark Revere here, who actually helped us with a ministry and journey called Theotherapy. If you don't know what that is, it's a therapeutic tool that helps us educate ourselves on our emotion and learn how to navigate it healthily. Because if you think you're good at managing your emotions, that's probably a clear hint that you're not. <laughs> and that's funny, but it's true, trust me. <laughs> But there are resources, and a lot of it is just as simple as learning something. A lot of things, we just don't know how to manage our emotion or navigate it, and that's okay. We can be taught that. So don't let that hold you back from reaching out for assistance, for help with learning, because there's more for you. There's more for your relationships. There's more for people that you haven't even met yet. There's more for you. So if there is something today I just pray the Lord would poke it, which is rude, I'm sorry. But I pray that the Lord would poke it so that you can actually see this thing and deal with it and grow. Because if we're holding on to anger against the Lord, we're not honoring him. It's just that simple. Just to draw back to Jonah, just to kind of bring it back here. It's insane because this, the example sounds so silly. Like Jonah's situation doesn't sound real. He got eaten by a fish. You know, the Lord killed his plant. It's just, it's just, what is this? But God saves the Ninevites. Jonah throws a fit and he goes and camps out in the heat waiting for God to destroy a city, he told Jonah he wasn't going to destroy anymore. He could have left the whole time. 
The sun was burning, it was so warm. God sent a wind, so hot, I'd rather die, but I'm gonna stay here until you destroy the city, as if he would sway God. You look at this and it's like, that's so stupid. But we do stuff like this. I'm really hoping none of you have been eaten by a fish by any means, but there's situations in our lives where we do dumb stuff like this. But God has already spoken. He spoke us into existence long ago. God had mercy on the Ninevites, and Jonah was mad. And he could have left the whole time, but he stayed there out of spite. And then he's not mentioned in the Bible again. That was it. So I don't really know what happened to him at that point. He's not mentioned again. And this is obviously a really dramatic example. I'm very aware of that. It's a very dramatic example. But that's it. That's what he's known for. That's the testament of his life. There's more for us. There's more for Jonah. There was more. There could have been more. But he refused to let go of his anger. He refused to let go of his grudge. He refused to let go of all of it. He refused to humble himself before the Lord. And I just love how God's like, two can play this game. Here's a plant. Killed it. (laughs) I love that. It just makes me laugh. But God was already going to do this. God is a God of mercy. He was, this is probably his plan the whole time. Probably was. And then, it ends like that. And that's the legacy of Jonah. There's more for us. We can, can you imagine if, they, if Jonah had gone in, honored what the Lord asked, and honored the people? They're not deserving of honor. They aren't. Horrible people, horrible people. But God often asks us to honor people that aren't deserving of it, and we grow. So it's incredible to think what could have happened. Like Jonah could have helped, you know, Jonah could have helped restore these people, teach them the right way, do all of these things. But he just chose to be petty instead. There's more for us. My third point is honor isn't dependent on a person's position. What does that mean? Well, they can be younger than you. They can be more inexperienced than you. They can be really, really old. They could be in a position where perhaps they're at work and technically you're their boss. But that doesn't mean you don't have to honor them. Honoring a person is not associated in any way with likes, dislikes, pleasantries, ease, not in any way. If we're not honoring people around us regardless of position, we're not being obedient. And it's fascinating, um, it's fascinating right now, the band can come on ahead up if that's okay, It's fascinating right now because as many of you know, we're doing a lot of transition and journey. We're bringing in new people to help take a lot of the load off of John. And what that looks like 
is people taking different positions and coming into new places. And it's been really challenging for a lot of people. And I'm standing here preaching to you about honor and being like, I almost killed John. I didn't. I almost did. Um, But there's important for us to realize that sometimes honoring change can be a good thing. We want to create something sustainable. We want to create something that's bigger than ourselves and reaches places that we can't imagine. I want my kids to see more of the Lord than I've seen. In order to do that, we need to create an environment of honor so that when things transition, that end up resulting in stability to see something bigger than ourselves. We honor that. We take that on board. We give it a chance. We don't close our minds off to it because we're scared of it or because it's not something we think we'll like. God is moving. And God is moving to the point that we're having to expand our staff because our church is expanding. And it's incredible. It's incredible. So, I just pray that the Lord convicts you today. (laughs) Sorry. I just pray that he can start to poke on some things that need addressed today, whether it has to do with himself or it has to do with people around you. Because if we want to see more of God, if we want to see him move mightily, if we want to see him affect our families, we have to purify ourselves as his bride. We have to deal with our issues because if you're holding on to issues, you don't have the capacity to hold the fury of his presence. We purify ourselves before the Lord so that we can carry more of what he's giving to us, what he's bestowing upon us. So if you are thinking of a problem that you have with a person or with the Lord, come up for prayer, reach out to Elaine, make a move today. Make a move today. Don't sit in your seat scared today. Come up. Face the fear. Because there's more for us. There's more for our church. The Lord can do so much more. And that's why we're here. We want to see the Lord move in ways we've never seen. We want to see revival in this nation like it's never seen. We want to see this happen here. God, choose us. Him choosing us looks like us facing our issues at first so that we can then carry what he's given us. So come up, reach out, face it. I'm just gonna pray us out. God, I thank you that you are a merciful God. God, I thank you that you have a plan, you've always had a plan, and we are right in the middle of it. Difficult circumstances, difficult relationships, broken relationships, have nothing on you in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you are working all things for good. 
I thank you that you are not limited by our understanding or our circumstances. And I thank you, God, that you would increase our faith, you would increase our capacity, you would continue to convict us so that we can carry on your good work in Jesus' name, that we would be your hands and feet in Jesus' name, that we would be the city on the hill that draws the people of Antrim to us because we have an answer. Yeah, I thank you, Lord, that you're so good. You're so good. And today we just partner with you today, God. We partner with what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.